What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. I listen. You know what we do. We come to y'all. You know what I'm saying? We come to y'all. We bring to y'all, you know, some type of, you know, fire for your head top, right? We have some type of creative, executive leader, public servant, you know, public speaker, educator, entrepreneur, artist. You know, we have somebody typically of the, you know, melanated variety, but sometimes not. Sometimes we got some some winter soldiers or some buckies, if you will, some aspirational allies. Um, but we have in real conversations that center black and brown experiences. And today is no different. Today we have the Alicia Wade. For those who don't know, Alicia Wade actually was one of my first bosses i'm gonna say bosses because she is a boss but she was one of the first people in my first job when i worked at target um that was in a leadership position that i'd ever seen a black person in a leadership position actually a first time i've ever seen a black woman in a leadership position uh, but i don't want to go ahead and take any away from her thunder so i'm gonna go ahead and introduce her right now alicia welcome to the show how are you doing I am amazing. How are you doing today? I'm doing really, really well. Now, look, I gave a very like non intro intro for, <laughs> for you. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? OK, where do you want me to start? 1980. You know what? 1980 would not be that bad. <laughs> was it the daytime or was it late at night? It was a morning okay. in the spring. OK, yes, for sure. But no, I was, you know, I started, you know, to your point around starting at a boss, I really wasn't always a boss, maybe bossy. Um, but for sure, you know, I, I you know, kind of guess given a background of education and then really where I started my career. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I went to the University of Oklahoma. So I have to shout that out because, you know, the amazing boomer sooner. Okay, um, and okay. I actually did. Yeah. Undergrad degree there, political science, communication, and then went straight to um, grad school. So for me, I share that background because I just really, you know, was one of those black girls that had a list. I knew what I was going to be. If you asked me what I was growing up, I just knew I was going to be a lawyer. And then all that changed when I went to school and it was like, I don't really want to go to school for like three more years and like read and do all of that. So I went to grad school at Baldwin Wallace. Um, it's actually university now. It was college then. It is in Berea, Ohio. Do you know where Berea is? No, where is that? So it is actually, you know, the camp grounds for the Cleveland Browns. So it is right outside of Cleveland. Okay. In Ohio. Yeah. So if you fly into Cleveland, you're technically in Berea. So I was there. I did my MBA there. And I think through that journey, I really realized that I had um, just a knack for wanting to be on teams, obviously being a a student athlete um, and athlete my whole life. I think that's really where I kind of moved into HR. So started to your point around being one of your first bosses, I actually started with Target um, in their training program and did several roles there. So had an opportunity to be at the store level, um, district and regional level in HR. Um, and then actually I was actually there for about nine years and then moved on to um, Ross, Dress for Less, in an HR capacity and did that and then moved over to operations um, and did that for uh, probably well, how long was I in operations there? So. For two years. So out the total time I was there for five years, um, if you're following. And then now. Yeah. And then now currently I'm actually with Gap Inc. um, with the Banana Republic Division as a district manager. So, yeah. So that's kind of where I am now. So that's incredible. And, you know, so today we're really talking about black female leadership. Right. So you talked about this path that you went on. And then there were points in time where you kind of had to pivot. Right. Because you had this very clear plan. Can we talk about right. like, what was the cause 
what was the cause like for you to say, look, I don't want to do this particularly because you said that you were drawn to being on teams, but you know, you could be on a team and still be a lawyer. So like, what was the moment that made you say, you know what, I need to do something different. Well, you know what? I think what I realized in being on teams is that, you know, kind of, I mean, I probably wouldn't say I had the words for it then or the language or even had done the discovery for my own like strengths and ops of what that really was. Mm -hmm. But I did realize that I was really good at making other people better. So to your point of being a track athlete, it could be like individual, right? You could do your own thing and then also being on relays. But I felt like at that point, I did know that I was really good around motivating other people um, and that I had an energy that other people fed off of. And I don't know if that was necessarily would have been (laughs) um, conveyed for me. Some people would have through a book or through research. So I just felt like, you know, that leadership role, I was always pushing those roles. So like even when I was at OU, I was a black student president. Um, I was in leadership roles um, through my sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha. If you had sound effects, it would be a good time to add that right there. You want like a like a ski wee or something? I don't have anything. I mean, you know, aren't, aren't I mean, wait, don't don't y'all be suing people? I'm not messing with you on this. <laughs> <laughs> it could just be an amazing like Alpha Kappa Alpha. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> You heard that, like that little echo. I did. It was amazing. <laughs> yes. And you had a picture in your mind of it being magnified, right? But we digress. So, you know, through those experiences in college, I think that's where that discovery came for me. Okay. Okay, cool. No, no, no. Listen, I'm going to tell you something because y'all do be suing people because I saw somebody's <laughs> making a joke. Somebody made a joke about Kamala Harris uh, and they put that AKA symbol on there and it was on Twitter and all the reactions on Twitter was... I said, wait a second, relax, everybody. Well, you know what? At least that sound effect knows. I think all of us through our childhood know that something epic was about to happen. (laughs) So at the very least, it's like, wait a minute. And we got their attention, right? We did. And we're compliant. We're compliant. So we're good. All right. So so let's talk about this. When you talk about the roles that you've had and kind of going through the leader, you went through a through a training program, right? So you went through like an actual development program when you started at Target. Can we talk a little bit about what are some of the core things you learned through that program and what are some pieces that you feel like you picked up through that program that you wouldn't have otherwise? Oh, my gosh. You know, it's so interesting. I talk. It's funny, you know, looking at what you do now. Right. And where I am and how that all started there. Right. And I see that a lot. So I talk to a lot of peers that are in so many different um, capacities now in their career. And we all talk about the commonality with this. Right. So I think for me. Um, The good part is when you work for a company that has very structured development, or I should say an expectation Mm. that a supervisor shows up a certain way, even if somebody doesn't have the capability or even the want to do it, it happens. So um, with that being said, I didn't always have supervisors that were able to show up in that way for me. Um, But I would say the biggest thing I've learned and it's a life lesson is how I manage my expectations of other people. Right. Mm. And I share that because I hear that a lot, especially as I even mentor, you know, younger to your point, black and brown people today as they're entering to the workforce and they have this expectation because of someone's title or their age or, you know, maybe their past experiences. And when they don't get that, they are very discouraged. So that was a big lesson for me because I just came in and, you know, being from Houston, I think, you know, when you think about like a Southern culture, you really, you know, have a lot of respect, you know, for people. So I was like, yes, ma'am. No, sir. And then when I realized people didn't show up very professional in some cases, I had to, to your point through this program, really position myself to not let that be a distraction. 
And I share that background because I think one of the biggest things that I had to learn, particularly around communication, is I showed up very rigid in a lot of those environments, whether it was, you know, day to day, whether there was in a mixer or things. And there was a lot of promotional opportunities um, that passed me because people just didn't know who I was. I thought, well, I showed up in a workplace thinking you just don't share those kind of things, right? right? Like right. they don't need to know what I do at home or that. And people wanted to. And it was important. So it's interesting, even as you do the intro today, to say I was the first person that you saw, right? A person of color that related to you. That was a journey for me to get there yeah. to realize that. And that was a big learning. Um, and even today, you know, like obviously with Coco, you know, with in, in the tennis championships now and seeing her and all this conversation about how animated she is and you know just it's so raw like that is kind of how I showed up you know what I mean and being an athlete being aggressive right. being this and that didn't always translate into positive well you know <laughs> for it's, me no no I hear you and I, this is the thing about that though right I think that we've also been so I'm gonna speak for myself um, but and, yep. I, and I've also seen like you know my peers is black folks we have there's a certain level of guardedness that we're taught to have just because like you know look it's only a few of us don't mess anything up don't put yourself out there too far. And I also think culturally, we just have this thing around like sharing our personal business in ways that like we don't just share things. We just don't talk about it. Work. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so there's this. But to your point, though, like there's this uh, there's this challenge of like, OK, well, what's the line? How vulnerable can you make yourself? Because people don't aren't going to want to promote or work with somebody that they don't know. Like most people anyway. I don't I don't care. Right. I Listen. Mm-hmm. I just want to do the job. It's fine. But I've, I'm learning and I've learned that, you know, people just feel more comfortable if they know you a little bit. And so my question is, how did you create that that cocktail for yourself? Like, how did you come into, yeah. you know, what is it that I really want to share? What will I still kind of hold back? But how did you like kind of give yourself permission to be a bit more vulnerable at, at your job? Yeah, for sure. So I can think of uh, a couple of things. So I can think of an experience uh, where I was actually interviewing. I was pregnant at the time and we were doing like a Skype like interview because the, you know, the actual people that were doing the mock interviews were in other locations. And it was an African-American female. She was in a supervisor position and we're going through and I'm thinking and I share the story often like I'm, you know, I'm prepared. I got all my notes and the message I was trying to convey with someone who was um, reliable, right. And qualified. So I had all of that to the, you know, bringing that to the table. And I just remember her like cutting me off mid sentence, like, Ugh. <laughs> who are you? I'm not feeling you right now. And you need to get it together. And like inside, you know, like we all, like we've done so much, particularly as African-American females to pull it all together and present this package. Right. And when someone is unraveling that it's like, wait a minute, Right. And that's what happened in that moment for me. But to your point around creating that cocktail, that like having her say it's okay and seeing her show up as herself and still be professional, you know, and and great at her job. Like it wasn't this caricature. Right. She Mm. was herself. She was professional. She was someone I looked up to and she was still herself. She didn't become anybody else. It helped give me that courage. But I think for me. Like the steps toward that was me finding things that I was okay to share, right? Like, so kind of like put a little like pinky toe in the water. Yes. So it's like, okay, I, I like to work out, you know, so let me, let me talk about that. And then maybe I build a connection. And then I just continue to build upon that um, about things that, you know, 
I feel comfortable with. But then I think I learned in that is that that's what motivates people. And then I thought about I made it personal. Like, I want to know what's important to my boss. Right. Like, I want to know them as a person. And then when I started to meet with people and I started to, you know, move up in my career and multi-unit positions and interview acted to your point at so many different levels with people i was able to meet people at their level and then also connect at that level so so then what advice would you have right for the young black woman young brown woman coming into the professional space who does have it all together because you're absolutely right like there is and i and i believe this translates to black men um as well is that like you yes. know we, we try to come with like look i got this i got this i'm tight like i got all these different things they ask mm-hmm. me this i'm gonna say this they ask me this i'm gonna say that um when you don't have someone who is gonna kind of give you the assurance that it's okay to be yourself and who isn't maybe you know guiding you along what advice would you give to someone who is trying to break out of their shell a little bit yeah you know what i would sh- uh I guess this is where like the academic in me comes out um, because I also teach at the University of Houston. So it's a great opportunity. Oh. Hey, oh, let's go. We went from OU to, um, to our UH. great Cooper's oh. here. Yes, there we go. H-Town in the house. <laughs> but um, one thing that I share there with the students all the time is around like the dialogue. Right. And you have internal dialogue in yourself that you're having and you can get distracted about maybe, you know, cues that you're not getting from people. Right. So even in this conversation, there's things that you're doing that are affirming me that we're on track. Right. And vice versa. Right. And sometimes we don't get that. Not because we're wrong. It's because you may be the first person that this you know, particular person has interacted with like you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. So just because you may be sharing right about whatever that may be that's very personal or maybe you think it's cultural and they're looking at you a certain way, that doesn't mean that that's wrong. Right. Or that you shouldn't share it. It just be a, maybe a new experience, and you can't let that external things go along. That it starts to spiral, and you're not showing up as your authentic self. So I think you have to get to a place where, hey, this is who I am, you know, and continue to show up that way. Because anytime I feel like you're, you feel like you are a fraud, or you are trying to act like other people, you're never going to come across as someone that other people want to be around anyway in my opinion so that would be my advice no you're absolutely right now now you know you talked a little bit about about your uh your sorority but you know yes. everybody alicia is not blessed to uh to, to don the pink and green and wear the pearls and and toss the the uh the laid hair right everybody don't have a community okay so right. that, that that they come into so for the folks that are kind of doing me by me what would you suggest that they do to kind of build those networks and those kind of like trusted spaces? Absolutely. And I think that is definitely something along the journey that I had to learn, even though I was in those environments, because no one in my family really has worked like most of particularly the women are in education. Right. And I was kind of brought up that if you weren't a teacher or a nurse, what do you do? Right. So I totally can can relate to someone who maybe is not even able to go home or especially as a new professional, be able to talk to your parents about your experiences. But I would say that you have to be very intentional around finding and not necessarily somebody that looks like you, but maybe they are 
in the whether it's a position or they have the characteristics that you want to possess, that could be a start for you. I think the other piece is maybe somebody that may be struggling in the same area as you are, right? So let's say you see someone that is in a position that you want to be in, and let's say communication is your opportunity. It's like you're not necessarily the most <laughs> articulate person, right? Yes. But you aspire to be, but you see that person is maybe in a certain role. Connecting with them to ask, like, how did they, you know, work around that? Right. And maybe you don't feel comfortable in going straight to them. Maybe you're in an environment that that's not appropriate and you don't have the access to that person. But what events can you go to? Right. Like, can you be intentional to say, hey, my work schedule doesn't necessarily um, afford me to do A, B and C. But there is this networking opportunity at this time through my church. Right. Look around you. And I think if you approach it, your development or an area of growth around the abundance opposed to the limitations, you will find somebody that is going to be willing to help you. Um, Or even they may not even realize they're helping you and you know you're going with that very intentional question and they can answer it for you and you get that nugget. Um, Yes. No, you're absolutely right. And you know what? I just, I appreciate this because, you know, it's it's about being resourceful, right? You got to reach out and use and just just think beyond, you know, your, your initial you know, four corners or whatever, and just reach out a bit because there are resources available. You got Google, which is like this huge thing where you can like type in things into this like little square. And then when you press enter, (laughs) then a bunch of things pop up. You know, there's just all types of resources out there. So you got to get busy. You got to get out there. Right. But I think to your, your exact question, even though we have so much information, people are not necessarily more informed per se about specific things when it comes to their career. And I challenge people, particularly to your point, minorities a lot and people in my circle where, you know what, their Instagram is popping, their Facebook, like you have all the great pictures, angles, but then you don't have a LinkedIn account or you don't have an updated resume or you don't have a CV. So it's like you've invested all of this time of creating and crafting this image, but not necessarily the same for your professional. Right. Wait a a minute. You talking about, you know, over here talking about that. You talking about. So, so wait, wait a second though. And and I know you church. So you over here talking about, so you've crafted. Yes. Jesus. We got one of them anointed words right there. Right. Hallelujah. But but it's not, but it's not real. And so then the part, then part of me, then part of me, I was like, and I, Oh, you know, so I was like, oh my gosh, like what? What? You, yes, that's wave real, your though. hands in the air. No, that's yes. true though. Yes, it is. And it's just recently I had um, a mentee that I was talking to and she was preparing for an interview. And but she posts every day on like her Insta story, right? Like videos. She looks beautiful in these videos. And I said, well, why don't you use something you do every day? Like you want to convey this message. Like, have you ever looked at yourself when you're trying to talk about your career? And she's like, I never thought about that. And I said, well, you clearly like looking at yourself, right? (laughs) So why don't you start there? Like it is around you. So that's what I would say. I think it's kind of step back realize what you do have and just start somewhere small right like it doesn't have to be a program that costs thousands of dollars it doesn't have to be dropping a name of you know this person is my mentor or you know they have this title it really may be the secretary in you know your particular office that is someone that is warm that may be older than you that can give you some advice around navigating that environment that you can learn from at the level you're at right now no, I love that. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm curious, you know, we talked a little bit about, again, started off talking about leadership and we yes. talked about, um, 
about you coming into yourself. So that was self-management. Let's talk about what does it look like for you to manage others? And uh, particularly what I'd like to talk about is uh, like the art of influence as well as Mm -hmm. um, really giving effective feedback. So you and I both, well, so you started at Target. I also started at Target. And I think a large part of the the element of Target, um, the culture at the time was really about like, you know, positive feedback, public praise, and I've seen that you've carried that forward um, in your positions uh, with Gap, specifically Banana Republic, and how you give feedback. Um, so can we talk a little bit about that and like your theory or your philosophy around feedback and your practices on how you give it to your team? Yeah, for sure. You, you know, I think feedback is something that I value. And I think it starts, my brother and I talk about this all the time because he he um, plays sports, actually football, and is currently still in the field um, with athletics. And we talk about how that shows up in the workplace of people that are used to being coached, right? Like you're used to looking at a video and a group of people sitting around critiquing it, right? And really understanding that there is a moment that you have to capture right now. Like you don't have another day or a week to wait. So I think that kind of shapes my philosophy, per se, if there is one, is that you have to A, find and be aware as a boss, right, or a manager of those coachable moments and not wait. You know, I think we've all been in situations where somebody sat us down and they had a list and you think like, wow, you know, like all these things that you need to get better at. Right. Or examples. And you, you're you sitting there and then at a point you just look around like, wow, why didn't they tell me then? Like I had no clue. Right. right? So I think that's where I never want to be as a supervisor. I never want somebody to be shocked. Right. And I also want them to know like this. I'm giving you this feedback because I believe that you can improve. Right. Because I think a lot of times, particularly if I I bring this to your point of our audience here of like black and brown people, particularly for black women, when I mentor them is a lot of times the absence of feedback means that there is an absence of a problem. Oh, well, nobody told me that. And it's like right. that doesn't mean that does not mean that you didn't need to get better. Right. And I think that uh, I share that because the next part of it is even in my self journey and things like that or my own development is a lot of times I would get feedback and I would want to make it about the other person. Like, well, if they hmm. just got to know me, then they would know that's not really how I am. Like, I'm not really like that. Right. right. Or if they gave me a chance to do it, then they would just know and post to thinking, no, we're talking about this specific instance. Right. Now. Can you un- right now? Can you understand how you're showing up, how it could how it could be just the possibility of how it could be perceived this way? And there's in that space. What can you control and move forward? So I think with my team, um, I try to make sure that I create that like we create we create that as an agreed upon communication from the beginning. Right. Like so they're not shocked because I don't want to assume that you've gotten this before. Right. And I don't I want you to also understand my intent. So we talk about in the beginning, like, hey, here's how I communicate. Here's what I do. Um, and let me know if that works for you. And a lot of times I found that people don't really know how they like to get feedback until they get it. Because <laughs> right. it's like, actually, I don't really want, you know, they think that they don't like it or it's going to be odd or it's like going to be breaking them down. And then once they realize, like, this is going to be a feedback rich environment, um, then I think people buy in. But I also feel like it's a great way. I'm in a, you know, environment, particularly in retail, that moves very fast. Right. And it is very results driven. So if you are in an environment where, um, productivity or it's high functioning, then I think it's very rewarding. I am aware that there are environments, right? Like when I go into like an educational space where it's not as frequent, right? 
and you don't have it's like an event when you get feedback I think you really have to meet the person where they are and and I think you have to make sure that they understand where it's coming from that's my thoughts about it no I love that and you know this is the thing because and again you know background and uh, upbringing is all very important because I were just for me um, it was pr- primarily my mom and I growing up, and you know my mom would just tell me all the time, like you know, hey, you need to do this, but you need to change your change, blah, blah, blah. Like, clean right. up, boy, looking, looking crazy out here. So it's not, it, it wasn't odd to me to get like direct feedback um, at work. I think it was reinforced by Target too, because Target such a Target such a feedback. I think retail is like that in general as right. an industry, right? Because like you said, it's results driven, it's very action oriented, and it's execution focused and execution oriented that. You, you're going to have to get this feedback because we got to get this stuff done. Um, and so what I, what has been a challenge for me, though, Alicia, has been like transitioning outside of retail um, and just realizing like the I don't like just the fragility of folks. So, like, have you ever had a situation as a black person, as a black woman giving feedback to a non black person and they like crumble like you just destroyed them? And like, it's like, oh, I have. OK, yeah. Can we talk about yes. it? Yeah, you know, I can think of several, um, you know, there's one that's coming up like for top of mind, but I probably would say it's pretty common. And this is how it, it happened. And to your point, um, you know, the person reacted very emotionally. Um, and it in that moment, I had to pause and ask, like, what are these tears about right now? Because what I'm saying shouldn't be causing tears, right? Like I'm sharing an observation about something we already have. You know, sometimes you may have something that's very specific, right, that you can measure it. But I also find, particularly in being in the HR space, right, that it's very hard to coach people or for people to give feedback on something they can't measure. So to your point, you start having this very what feels like abstract conversation, like what are we really talking about? And then the person can can become defensive if you don't have measurables to say, hey, look, see, this is what I mean. And in that particular conversation, that's what the person was. I'll use the word argue. Maybe argue is not the right word, but they were, you know, disagreeing. Right. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. well, I don't see it that way. And I think we had to disagree in that space of it is okay for you not to agree. However, what we have to agree upon is that you do have to value my opinion as your supervisor. Right. And let's also agree that we don't have to. Right. Like we can be in this space and see this totally different. And it's still but what okay. I'm asking and it's still be OK. You know, and I'm not asking you to change your perspective. I'm just putting you on notice. Right. Like that. This is the way that it looks to me. And this is how I would like us to move forward. And, and in this particular conversation, a person was not ready to talk about the path forward. They weren't because they were still stuck and just kind of thinking around. And, and I think you have to know, like not to overbear, you know what I mean? Like be overbearing. Yeah. Overwhelming. Cause this may be truly regardless of their age, regardless of the position that they're in, this may be the first time they've heard this and you have to respect that. Right. So to your point, you've grown up being told like, you're not all that. Okay. No, you need to go change. You know, we're like, uh, and that's not (laughs) something that's crumbling for you. Right. But someone that's never gotten honest feedback from someone that loves them. You don't know what that background is in the workplace. Right. That's so somebody, a, that's real. you know, somebody shows up and then once again, going back to that, us being comfortable. Right. And us being like, you can't take that as that you did something wrong because now you can retreat 
and not be operating in a space that you need to. So, yeah, I've absolutely had that. And, you know, what I've done for me is that follow up is really important. So coming back, like, let's let's agree upon a time <laughs> on when it'll be good to um, to revisit this, because I find a lot of times for certain people, avoidance is a tactic that they use. Right. When it comes to conflict. And that's that's the most ineffective thing that you can do. Right. Like time does not cure all. Right. In fact, it makes it worse because we had this conversation six months ago and we still said nothing. Right. Or that right. was last year during your annual review that we talked about it. Or as a peer, we worked on this project together. But that was we only do that once a quarter. Right. Yeah. And I didn't really like working with you and you had attitude or you were late or I didn't really like the quality of your work. But we never really got to the root cause for us to move forward. So I come back to, OK, you know, last time we spoke this is where we landed. How are you feeling today? You know, and not let people off the hook with making it about you. You know, that's a, that's just a really good point. That, that last part is huge mm-hmm. because it is easy for me because I'm a bit of a narcissist. So <laughs> <laughs> it's something you right, but you can internalize it. Right. Right. Absolutely. Like and so it's like, OK, well, then, OK, well, clearly this is something I did wrong. OK, how can I improve? And like, you know, you and the, uh, part of you thinks like, oh, well, this is me being accountable. It's like, yeah, but you're being accountable to a, a, a toxic at a point that's not even accurate or helpful because you're you're centering yourself and internalizing it to the point that we're not actually getting to a solution. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think, too, to your point around accountability, and this is something that I, you know, from a learning, you know, to your question initially, that's an area where like where accountability overused has gotten in the way. Right. For me, of like working too much or, you know, it can come across as aggressive or, you know, those things. And you're really overly accountable. And I think that's where understanding what accountability and responsibility looks like. Right. So you may be in that environment. You're accountable for whatever that project. And that's why you're giving this feedback. But that person is responsible as well, you know, to show up a certain way or deliver in those areas. And how do you balance that? You know, so it doesn't come like obviously you got to work on maybe in that space what you need to do. But there's also something that they needed to to work on. And we can't be distracted about how it came across to them, per se. No, you're absolutely right. And and you're right. Like we do overuse that word. And, you know, I think, again, I like guess old phrase, but like accountability is a two way street. Like it's not mm-hmm. because it, because if if one person's always accountable and the other person is never accountable, then that's right. that's that's a that's toxic. Like that don't make sense. <laughs> Yes. And I think if if you become like, especially when we think about giving feedback, right. And we're thinking about whether that's from a generational, we think about from a cultural standpoint, we have to make sure that that's a two way street. And if you're the only person trying to work through this relationship, then you really aren't growing in how to um, manage and work with people that don't look like you. You know, I just straight up. I mean, you're right. I can't. What can I say? Hold up. Man. Uh, Okay. So this has been a great conversation. You know, there are times for me where um, you you talked earlier about like people giving you feedback and like sending you down with a laundry list of feedback. We also just talked about accountability and responsibility. For me, I really enjoy the idea of soliciting feedback because I'm trying to like, you know, in the idea of you trying to sit me down and have some laundry list of stuff, I'm just over here like stupid. I'm not going to let you get the chance. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to like make sure I'm proactive. Okay. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> like it's above me now, right? Listen. Okay. So 
my question to you is what are your thoughts on proactive feedback and and what are ways that you solicit feedback from your team and from your leadership? Yeah. So this is, um, oh my gosh, this is definitely a gem for me when I think about um, just development for myself. I think I've been in situations where I've had supervisors that weren't able to give me feedback, right? Because I was meeting goals, I was doing a really good job, and it was meeting their expectations, right? So you go and you ask and your solicitor's like, oh, it's great. Like there's nothing, there's nothing you can do better. And that's never worked for me, you know, and, and maybe because the way that I'm wired, you know, like I really want to even give, get feedback around like, did you, what did you like? Like, what am I doing well? So I could know what to repeat, right? Or even how I got the result. And I find often that people may achieve a, a goal, right? Or whatever it may be, And it's kind of like, okay, we're so excited, but they cannot articulate how, right? And for me, I feel like that's kind of, there's a silver bullet or magic sauce, a cocktail, right? That you're creating on how to repeat success. You have to know what you did, right? Because it may be a different environment. So for me, that's really important for personal feedback for me, whether it be from a supervisor, a peer, or even my direct reports. Like if we feel like we're in a good space, right? I I would start with direct reports, um, that I manage, I want to know what you like, right? So if you feel like, hey, communication is great, I want them to be very specific, but that's just how I'm wired, right? Like, I want to know, if do you prefer this type of communication? Do you prefer this type of recognition? Okay, when we're working on a project, what level of autonomy do you like? Um, so I ask, you know, I think there's some people that it's really easy for them and those that aren't. So I'll set it up if we're going to have, for instance, a touch base or we know we're going to have a formal sitting down, say, hey, when we connect, I want to get some feedback on how that went and I'll put it out there, right? Whether that's in a conversation or even written for them to prepare their thoughts. So that's something that's worked for me. Um, I think with peers, I have um, something that's helped me particularly around communication and working on how I've come across. Cause that was something early in my career. And I think still today, like my nonverbals, um, you know, like that face, like, okay. Like yes. having somebody in a room, you know, or your tone to say, okay, Hey, you know, yeah, you did come across this way. I've always tried to solicit people um, that can help me in that area. And if they aren't there, someone that I've seen that is an expert in the area or better than me, I go to them to say, hey, do you mind if I reach out to you like once a month just to get your ideas? It doesn't have to be long. Would it be okay if I maybe text you or shoot this over to you and you give me some feedback? That's really helped also break down, you know, some barriers where I don't want to say competition per se, right? But it's helped people also give you more feedback that maybe they wouldn't before, right? Because if I've already put out there, hey, I'm trying to get better here. I, you've already got this locked down. I'm trying to learn. Do you mind if you just, you know, if I send this to you, ask questions? Most people are going to be very open. So that's something that I do a lot. Um, and that's how I would say I solicit feedback. No, that's, or that's try to. no, 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 that's great. And I think, again, to your point around like, well, I, no one told me anything, so it must be fine. It's like right. the only time that I the only time I take that attitude of no one told me anything else to be fine is if I ask you for feedback and you say I don't have any feedback and then you come back later with right. something. Then I'm like, hey, wait a second, because you, well, you, you, you big bugging now. It, and you know what? Here's one thing. And I, you know, I think we learn a lot from also bad supervisors or people we didn't like working for. Hmm. And that was one. I had a supervisor that comes to mind. And that's this is why I would say I take the approach now. Because she didn't necessarily know what she wanted things to look like, 
but she did. She was very good at critiquing what you put forward. And that was so demotivating for me. In fact, it was like it was emotional. You know what I mean? Like I would just be like hurt by it because it was like I went to your point. I went to you, asked you for feedback. Hey, here's my plan. This is what I'm thinking. It's the approach I want to take. And it would be like, oh, yeah, check, check. Great. And then I, you know, I felt we're taking huge leaps or risk in some cases. Right. And we agreed upon this is what we were going to do going forward. And then she would come back if maybe there were other partners that felt a certain way or didn't resonate with them or she saw it and then would like kind of break me down. You know what I mean? That list would come out of, okay, well, you could have did this and you could have did that. And in that at that time, I shut down. You know, so it became, I, w- I won't say angry, but the hurt became, I just took a list and then I thought, I'm never going to do that again. And that didn't help anybody, particularly me. So I think this is what I, to your point, trying to get ahead of it now, like not letting somebody that says, oh, I don't have anything to share, get in the way from me of moving forward. No, no, you're 100% right. And the, and I think, so it's it's both and, right? It's you looking for yep. the feedback, you, you soliciting it, and then you not using that as a, 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 a blocker, right? No matter what you get. So if you don't get anything, don't use it as a blocker. If you get something that doesn't really align with what you think it is, then don't use it as a blocker either. Just, just make sure that it's something that you, that you're taking the, the, uh, the time to do, but, but it shouldn't impede you from moving forward towards whatever goals that you have. I think like a mentor that I had, a, who she's told me this a few different times, shout out to you, Liz. I see you. What's up? Um, Hey, hey come on. Uh, so Liz was like, look, um, and, and Liz is a she's a mentor of mine. She's a great friend, and she um, she's also on the show a few episodes back, actually during uh, Pride Month. Anyway, so look, Liz said, she said, look, Zach, you know the beauty of feedback is you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to take all of it. You just, <laughs> right. She's right. like because like, she's like you know Zach, I think this thing you you burden yourself with. Every time someone gives you feedback, you take that as like a mandate that you need to change something. It's like that's not. That's not what feedback is. Feedback is something for you to consider. It's like the best thing you can say to someone give you feedback. Hey, thank you for your feedback. <laughs> that's it. it. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. It. I mean, if that and that's so important to your point is like there's if you can compartmentalize things. Right. And doesn't mean, you know, then you can do something with it later because that feedback may be relevant at another time. And then you can see it right when it, may, it shows up again. But today, I don't necessarily have to go create a plan based on what you said. I can just put that there and say, oh, OK, that's Zach's. OK, that's Zach's feedback that he gave me today. OK. All right. Hmm. I don't necessarily see it, but thank you. <laughs> and it stays and, right there. And it's, yeah, and, I think and that's, that's it. awesome. You know, because and there's and, but I think I think some of the challenge when it comes to just like bias in the workplace and like there's also like this underlying and sometimes overlying expectation that women, particularly black women, are just like the workhorses of whatever. So, you know, you give you, I've, I've been told, you tell me if I'm right or wrong, but like sometimes people give you feedback with the expectation that you're going to just do what they say. And it's like, that's not necessarily the case. Like I'm going to take this feedback and I'm, and I will, I will make a determination as to how, or if I implement it into what I'm doing. Yes, for sure. I think, um, no, I, I agree. I think that that is true for me and what I've seen. And even more to take it a step further, is even because I know we talked through a lot of tips on this podcast around, you know, how, you know, interviewing tips and moving forward. Right. Mm-hmm. I see this a lot in interviewing people and them not being able to explain why they haven't moved forward. Right. Mm-hmm. They feel like it's someone else's, you know, someone else's. I don't know even the word, like it's their responsibility or their fault. Well, we'll use the word fault, right? Of, okay, I'm here and they can't say why. 
And to me, it's like, okay, you've never gotten any feedback or no one's ever told you or you're not able to look at this job or see someone in that role and see what they do better than you and what maybe even the one thing they do better than you and what's held you back. And that's the approach I take for feedback. Like if you can think about it in that way, opposed to, to your point, something you have to change or take on or feel like you got to bow down or become someone different, but really as a lens for you to see things that you may not be seeing. So that's what I see often, particularly for black women. Man, this has been great. Alicia, before we let you go, any yes. parting words or shout outs? Shout. I mean, when you say let you go, I feel like we got to cue that Beyonce and that has to be in the background that we have here. But again, again, I, I don't know. I don't know what you what you don't understand about. I don't own uh, Rockefeller or wh- whoever she or whatever, whoever she signed that thing through or. House oh of Darion, LLC. I don't. I don't know. I, listen. I'm listen. We're gonna have that that nice, um, you know. what I'm saying copyright free jazz music that it. you hear in the background. Okay. Trying, trying to okay. get us in trouble. We already said no, AKA no, a few times. Sure. They're gonna be knocking on my door. Now you talking of about? Of course. Me. No, they're not. They're gonna be looking at this. We're gonna be. They're <laughs> gonna be helping with from mass media passing it out here. Come, but come no, on ser- now. You know what I mean? But no, seriously, I want to, you know, if there's a recognition, I want to recognize you because I think, you know, creating a space, A, to have conversation is one thing, right? But I think you being very intentional around making sure that the conversation has different perspectives, um, whether that be from industry, you know, whatever, right? I think that this is just very phenomenal. And I've seen, like I said, from the beginning, when you first sent out this podcast to where you are now. So I just want to, you know, tip my hat to you, brother, and really seeing how you brought also other the people in um to expand it's just fantastic while keeping your full-time job so round of applause i'm super excited yes so anything you know that we can do in the future anyway i can continue to add to the conversation would be the shout out so thank you as well oh my goodness well first of all you got me blushing i'm turning purple hey i i appreciate this um and you know what shout out to you okay because like i said you were one of the first people and you know the thing about see the thing about for y'all now look I know we have this natural hair movement now and everything. Let me tell you something. Back in like 2011, I was I walked into Target doing my thing. But she came through edges laid. Okay, she, all the time. Okay, it pearls, like a, a pearls, thick, Absolutely. y'all. Don't play. Okay, <laughs> and she had heels on and she was moving. She was working the floor. I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is incredible. So shout out to Alicia and your whole brand, everything that you do, everything that you've been that you've done. Shout out to of course. Uh, you know what I'm saying? 1906. You know what I'm saying? I got y'all peaking green. I respect y'all. Please do Thank not come you. from my neck. Please. I appreciate y'all. I did not put no logos on this stuff. Um, it will know. be a logo, though, in the show notes. Oh, my gosh. Okay, yes. Yeah. So we will put a logo in the show notes. Um, it'll show all of the legal information and that we are not identified by anything. <laughs> <laughs> you are so silly, for sure. <laughs> okay, but look, final air horns for you. And you know what? This has been it, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to the Living Corporate Podcast. Of course, this has been Zach. You've been listening to Alicia Wade. Now, look, I used to say all the little Twitter stuff, but look, we we brolic now, okay? So I don't have to say we follow us on this. Just Google Living Corporate, okay? Google me. What is that? Who's who? Oh, yeah, Tiana Taylor, I think, made that song called Google Me. But no, shout out to Tiana Taylor, too. But look, Google me. Just Google Living Corporate. Living, L-I-V-I-N-G, corporate. I'm not going to spell out corporate. I don't have the time. But check us out. We everywhere. Appreciate y'all. We'll talk to y'all soon. Peace.
Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.